the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Good day. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing more. I tried to do a show dedicated to getting you to retirement, showing you some things that are working on the market and well. If gold is doing well and the dollar is doing well and oil's doing well, well, gold's not doing well, but oil and the dollar are, and that's typically they unpair. One does stronger than the other. I just try to show you some of the basic things that you need to know. Russell 2000 hitting an all-time high recently. What? Why do we care? Because Russell 2000 small cap companies. And the market's kind of leaning towards thinking, we don't have to have exposure to Europe. We don't have to have exposure to Asia. So let's just focus on these guys who don't have that. Just in case something goes wrong with North Korea or the Middle East or Russia. Wow. It's like the same old countries from your childhood, huh? The ones that give you the most concern and the most pause. I want to do a show dedicated to getting you to thinking a little bit differently. You know, I, I could do a frou-frou show and say, you know, kids are going to live different lives than us. Kids won't know what a typewriter is. Kids won't know what a word processor is. You'll just speak into the, the thing, right? I was allowed to roam as a kid, go into the woods, build things, build rafts. Now we're helicoptering over our parents. I see some crazy parents, crazy parents and what they do with their kids and how well they keep them entertained. Yeah, I don't really want to do a show on, you know, the environment's changing. Let's look at the investment angles on that. I'd rather do a show on Netflix. Netflix has such a hold on its customers right now. And they have so many shows in the pipeline. People love the service so much. There's something to be said for investing that way. It's very Peter Lynch of... His high school daughters would come back from Chili's back in the 1980s and early 90s. And go, Dad, it was so much fun. Me and my friends had a great time. Because Chili's was like in a mall, and you could do a little clothes shopping, pick up a little food on the way out. So he did things where, like, his kids would tell him what kids like. He, he was an investor who kind of watched the trends from, from a distance. But Netflix customers love the service so much. They could raise the, the prices again, and I don't think people would flinch too much. Your other option, go back to HBO, go back to cable TV, or get the service that you seem to be able to ser- save, and I don't suggest this, but share passwords with friends. The average Netflix user watches Netflix more than 10 hours per week, which is dearly, uh, nearly double the amount of time that Amazon subscribers spend on watching Prime Video. I haven't gotten into Prime Video much, have you? There's a couple shows there, but every time I, I went in like two years ago and this was just, it was a bad product in my mind because you couldn't find something you wanted to watch. I've probably watched three or four things and I know they've got game winning or they got winning shows and such, but 
I like the sci-fi. I like the fantasy. I like the magical talking swords. And Amazon, Amazon's doing much more realistic world stuff. So maybe they, they missed it a little bit, whereas Netflix hit it out of the, the park with the robot. 87% of customers would keep on subscribing even if the company raised its prices again. So do I like Netflix as an investment? Hell yeah. It's almost like cigarettes, right? There was a day and age where cigarettes were unbelievable good investments. Got you That's terrible. I, got you where I want you, right? And now you're addicted to nicotine and you're going to come back and buy tomorrow. <laughs> call it brand loyalty. Call it addiction. I call it a good investment idea. So, <laughs> thank you very much. Americans are having fewer kids than ever. This is a trend that I think is going to be uh, an issue. It's almost like we want, I want to go tell my neighbors, like, and my neighbor's kids, I got to watch how, I got to be careful on how I say this because you don't really want to say this out loud, but you kind of want people to still have make, make babies. Do you know why? Because those babies are future taxpayers. Those babies are future economic activity. So the U.S. birth rate fell 2% from 2016 to 2017. Only women from ages 40 to 49 are having more kids. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that it takes two, three, four people to pay their social security taxes so that my father or my father's dad, so that my mother can collect social security or that my mother can collect her U.S. pension from the United States government. So the U.S. birth rate dropped to an all-time low in 2017. You're not going to hear about it now, but in about 15 years, you're going to hear about it. And you can't magically go back in time and say, you're 20 years old and say, you're on a sexy Friday night date, a little zooby zooby zoo and going, look, Stephanie, we got to save the U.S. economy. We got to get down and get get to business. We got to make babies. Um, I just met you. We need that kind of focus. Make America great again. Make America have more taxpayers is my thought. A lot of experts blame two primary factors for the trend. The 2008 economic recession and the increasingly crippling cost of going to college. That's two very good points. I'll throw in another one. High housing costs. So as things have inflated in in the, the neighborhood, you feel less certain about your ability to pay that big nut. You know, if you're a squirrel, your biggest nut is probably going to be the house you live in. I know you're saying that analogy doesn't really work because squirrels eat nuts and nuts aren't houses that you could live in. But you get the idea. Um, So, yeah, demographics are going to be a big problem, big problem going forward. You know how we know this? Because our for our friends in Japan, ancient Japanese secret was that they had a demographic time bomb hit them. And it's still causing massive problems because they tend to like to take care of their elderly in retirement. They tend to give them respect. We're like, you want to live in a trailer? Go ahead. Economists are sounding the alarm right now. So that's going to go down in the future. And again, the fertility rate. Country launched a campaign called Do It For Mom to encourage Danish couples to have more kids in order to keep the country's grandmothers happy and its economy humming. So the Danes, who I've never trusted the Danes. Don't trust the Germans. The French are too soft. But the Danes, and I, I, I have a problem with. But Japan and Denmark are experiencing similar demographic time bombs. The Danes have a campaign to do it for mom. Can you imagine your government putting out that commercial? 
I would adopt Cartman. If anyone could make a baby out of a TV character, I, I'm in. The American birth rate has been consistently below what number crunchers call replacement levels. The rate at which new births keep the population steady by matching the number of people who are dying off. Whoa. People who are dying off. That's a weird way of putting it. My dog's about to die. Maisie the Wonder Dog. So she's dying off. Do I replace her with a puppy puppy? Or do I at least wait till she's cold before I have that conversation in my head? I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Demographic time bomb. You worried as an investor? I am. In 15, 20 years from now, we need those people to be shoppers. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Money, investing, and more. Talking stock, talking brands, talking tech, doing what I can to help, um, give you a good second opinion, doing what I can to help you as an investor. So want to hit a little bit on Apple and the Apple 10 and what's being said out there and what you should take away from it. I own shares of Apple. Um, and the stocks that can become kind of guru stocks that can become kind of crazy, names like Amazon, Alphabet, Microsoft, Intel, you pay attention to them during earnings season because they're such big companies. They tell you about the smaller companies and mid-sized companies beneath them. Um, worthy of note, right? So Amazon, Alphabet, Microsoft, and Intel are big names. Now, Gene Munster is a guy who has been become an influential analyst on Apple and at a money show that my financial radio station, KDOW, sponsored. Uh, he talked a lot about Apple and he talked a lot about the Apple 10. If you ever get a chance to go to these money shows, they're worth the effort. Again, maybe not, I don't know. I, I don't know what you're trying to accomplish, right? So it depends on if you're trying to get like new insights and new companies, if you're trying to understand trends, what have you. But Munster and those type of analysts sometimes will get paid pretty good dollars to you know tour with these companies and give speeches to be kind of a draw name. You see, as seen on CNBC, Apple's insider Gene Munster. So Apple's success over the next 12 months to 18 months at this point in time, it's going to be all about the Apple 10. We knew in the last 12 months that the Apple 10 was coming. We didn't know what the name was. We didn't know what the features were going to be exactly, but we knew it was coming, and we knew it was going to be big. The 10-year anniversary phone was going to be big, and they went bigger than anyone thought. They went high-end average selling price, $1,000-plus for the starting price. Consumers will take a, you know, a look at it and decide if they're willing to spend that or they're willing to spend money on the 8 or just keep what they have or say, you know what, that's a lot of money, and I can go on a vacation for that kind of money. What sort of experience am I trying to get in life? Um, but analysts are raising their you know, average selling price on the iPhone to $740, for instance. And what's interesting about that is that sometimes when you're that big, whether you're like an Intel, an Amazon, an Apple, a Google, that we know there's going to be 50 million widgets sold or consumed. And those 50 million widgets, the difference between a dollar and $2 is pretty huge. 
a dollar and a buck fifty huge. You don't think of a dollar and a dollar fifty, two dollars in your pocket as huge. No. But if you had fifty million pockets, you'd be like, woohoo, that's pretty big, right? So that's why these little numbers like moving up the average selling price from seven hundred and twenty two dollars to seven hundred and forty is huge. 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 As my friend Donald would say. When pre orders for the thousand dollar iPhone model opened in the first day of it being released for the iPhone ten. Uh, demand looks strong right out of the gate. It went from, you can get it in five days, to five weeks, to six weeks. Pretty long. And we'll see how that uh, gets churned down through the holiday season. But long lead times are attributed to bottlenecks in production. Um, probably tied towards its true depth camera. Based on previous years, expect little change in lead times over the next year. Um, so if you want a phone, it's going to take you about six weeks to get it. It's going to take a long time for them to catch up to that demand. With that out there, should you buy the stock? And, you know, Apple sells into a phone that we were paying, you know, $500 for. Then it was $600, dollars 650 700 $750. Now we're jumping up to a $1,000 phone. How much more can they do? At some point in time, it peaks. You know, Dell had a four thousand dollar home computer, and people went crazy. Thirty five hundred dollars, woohoo! Thirty three thousand, twenty five hundred, two thousand, and that's when analysts started getting worried. As the fo- as the desktop computer got cheaper and cheaper, and every year it got more and more powerful, it was like fifteen hundred, the sub one thousand dollar computer. Then we started playing with numbers like seven hundred fifty, five hundred, and then we got to in the situation where there was companies that were being brought public on Wall Street that made computers and gave them away for free if you would use the advertising bar on the search engine. You're like, whoa, whoa. That business model didn't pan out, but it's still like, whoa. Whoa. So, whoa. So $1,150 for a phone. Um, Those are some amazing numbers. And Drexel Hamilton, Brian White, came out and said, you know, I see it as $208 stock. Apple's taken the iPhone franchise to a whole new level. It's the ultra-luxury smartphone. And when you now get a case, will a rubber case be enough? Will you still go with an OtterBox, or will you say, I need a leather case for it? And for the first time in a while, you'll say, you know what? I do think I should buy that Apple insurance. You know... For that extra $200, it's worth it because you can break it three times. And you might because it's made out of glass on the back. So it's going to be more breakable than ever and more expensive than ever. Doesn't it suck when you break your phone? iPhone pre-orders reached 5.5 million units within the first five hours coming out of China. And analysts are going 5.5 million units times $999 or $100,149. And it's all spreadsheets. And you're seeing them raise their numbers on it. One analyst out of RBC said, uh, lead times look encouraging from a demand perspective. Lead times in the U.S., U.K., Germany, the U.K., China, Japan, and UAE, the United Arab Emirates, all are in the five- to six-week time frame. So and it's consistent across all carriers, colors, member size, and geographies. So it's a worldwide hit. Um, and the five- to six-weeks number is conservative, and users could likely receive it before that timeline for sure. Um, so that brings up like Google's Pixel 2, the, uh, you know, essential phones out there. Um, 
there's a lot going on there, but I think the next year, you know, it's clearly going to come from, again, some of the add-ons and the, the twists, because uh, 2018 to half, first half of 2019, we're going to start seeing Apple, and a lot of analysts say, you know, maybe should, they should only come up with one phone per year instead of two, what they're currently doing. Maybe they should take a little bit longer instead of doing it every September. Uh, maybe we should see how they do with their apps. Uh, but when you're selling at a premium, and you're not discounting the price... Yeah, do you rake in as much money as you can while you can? I own shares of Apple. Good luck to you. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. This is a little Manchester orchestra bringing us back from break. And every year, I think I find one song that I go, whoa. And it hits me. This song is, oh. You think you have a love affair with Wall Street at times? You think you have a passionate affair with your partner? Heartbreak in a relationship. Family struggles with parents. This is a brutal song. One thing I like about Manchester Orchestra is, and this song's called The Gold. Go watch the video. It's awesome. It's fun. It's, it's creative. They've got a relationship with a video guy. I always love that when a band kind of has a style in their visual performance as well as their, their sound. I really like two or three songs by this band. But there's a line in the song that says, you don't open your eyes for a while. You just breathe that moment down. That was advice from his father told him how he reacts to sudden events like a heart attack or a mind collapse. You don't open your eyes for a while. You just breathe that moment down. It comes from a mining town. But that reaction applies to both literal sudden health-related events as well as events and realizations that diagnose the health of relationships. It's one of my favorite songs right now as far as, hey, Siri, play. And, uh, you know, when you're not in the mood for what, you're not in the mood for what not. You go with The Gold by Manchester Orchestra. You don't open your eyes for a while. You just breathe that moment down. And the line, I believed you were crazy. You believed you loved me. <laughs> Does that not sum some of us up totally correctly? All right, all right, all right. I know some people say, I just listen to songs. I don't try to analyze them. I know, I know. It's a curse. It's a curse. Now, analyzing that, I think, helps with with the idea of analyzing companies being able to read music and think about it and try to figure out you know there's a song by peter gabriel that ends with a very up note but it's about a relationship that's like sad that it's over and it's done but if you stick with it long enough you see that you know there's an upbeat end where you have to be optimistic wall street will get negative it'll get ugly it'll get nasty and uh, my phone just started playing Mama by Genesis. My phone has got a ghost in the machine, I think. So, what's going to happen in the market? Oh, a little Mama. This is a great little song, because again, obviously about parental relationships with children units. The parental unit, the child unit. But you know the song on this album is is the best. 
It's a, it's, it's a no fun being an illegal alien. Which I don't think you could do that song today. You could do it in the 70s and 80s, but not so much today, right? Yeah, mama. Not cool to be at the gym listening on headphones and screaming, Mama. Not cool. Not cool to watch pornography on your phone at the at the gym. Not cool. I've seen some crazy stuff people watch on flights. And it's crazy stuff people watch on gyms. Because I must have a long neck, right? It's a no fun being an illegal alien. I even think... He's using a little bit of a Spanish accent in this song, right? Or is that just... I don't know. Phil Collins, back on tour. There was big rumors for years that he had lost his voice and his mind was gone. And that we'd never see him again. Not so much. So David Stockman, speaking about Manchester Orchestra and heartbreak in a relationship, David Stockman said stocks will plunge 50% in this daredevil market. First and foremost, you go, who the hell is David Stockman? Second, you go, oh, he's kind of legendary. He's done well in his career. David Stockman is intensifying what he refers to as his bear case. President Ronald Reagan's Office of Management Budget Director blames a bull market that's getting longer in the tooth, paired with headwinds ranging from President Donald Trump's leadership to fiscal policy decisions to questionable earnings. He thinks it's a daredevil market. Now, I'm not one to say the word absurd. I'm not one to say, what are you, crazy? No. What are you, nuts? I, I, what are you, nuts? I, I, I like to listen, I like to digest, and I like to think about it. Stockman says he thinks the S P five hundred could easily drop to sixteen hundred because earnings could drop to seventy five dollars a share the next time we have a recession. We're about eight or nine years in the expansion, everything is crazily priced. I mean the S P five hundred at twenty four times at the end. Tippy top of a business cycle. Now one of the biggest things that David Stockman has negative on the market right now is that President Donald Trump's tax cuts are providing a fundamental lift to stocks. He says these tax cuts are going to add to the deficit in the 10th year of the expansion. It's just irresponsible crazy. It's all going to stock buybacks and merger and acquisition deals anyway. That doesn't cause the economy to grow. It's just a short-term boost to the stock market that doesn't last. I mostly agree. I'm a stock market guy. I may max out your 401k, 403b, 457 own real estate if you're going to live in it for five or more years or use it for five or more years. Know that second homes are probably average investments at best, maybe even poor, that they're meant to be enjoyed. But the home that you live in could be good, especially if it's close to work. Now, with all that out there, that's just one piece of data, right? And I think what he said was the tax cuts really aren't being used by corporations wisely. That's okay. At least they're buying back shares and they're helping with their earnings per share. At least they're giving some back to the investors. And even though I'm not spending my investments right now, they're still growing. And down the road, even if they cut back 10%, it's not bad because it's been such a great nine years. So this kind of gets me to jump around to like the next idea of where's money going and what's it look like and concepts along those lines. And one area that, that 
obviously is the most talked about in the Bay Area is housing. Cost of housing. The painted ladies in San Francisco, California. Aren't they lovely? I just think that's lovely. They're lovely. Not for me. The Bay Area is the most unaffordable place to live in the United States, according to a lot of data. It's not really getting better. And we, we want to fix problems. I mean, you heard Howard Schultz yesterday say, come on, Democrats, you can't keep fixing problems by spending money. We got to have some better plans. Now, the San Francisco Bay Area wants to alleviate the affordable housing crisis, namely in the East Bay, because where else are you going to do it? You know, there was a point in time where big cities rock and rolled and companies like Kmart back in the 50s and 60s did great. And then people started going, I kind of want to live in the suburbs. I kind of want to get away from the hustle and bustle. I'll drive into work because it's not that congested. So everyone moved to the suburbs. Now, the suburbs in the Bay Area happen to be East Bay. I kind of feel that North Bay, it's okay and it does nice. But the East Bay is where everyone looks and goes, okay, I can't really afford a house in San Francisco. I can't afford a house on the peninsula. I can't afford a house in San Jose. Where do I go? And that was a couple years ago that you were willing to live in an area that might have a little more crime, a little bit more uh, poverty, a little more homeless. So there's a report put together by the Bay Area Council of Economic Institute, and it said the Bay Area needs to uh, build more affordable homes. Now, not me. I, I don't want that. I have a home. I don't want condos near my home. I, I, I'm, see, that's the problem. It's not in my backyard. Like, we can have free energy, nuclear energy free. But who wants a nuclear power plant in their backyard? Right? No one wants cheap housing in their backyard. And yet, where I live right now, all that's going up is condo after condo after condo. And they're small, 400, 500 square feet apartments. But... The Bay Area's affordable housing crisis said, let's build near transit, and that'll fix everything. Not fix everything, but, you know, an $800,000 median home, we need something cheaper than that. The median rent in the East Bay, which includes Oakland and Berkeley, is around $3,000 a month. Lower than San Francisco's 3300 but building homes near BART in Livermore, move BART to Livermore, get more homes in Livermore, which is cheaper than other parts— if that's our solution, we are screwed. We're hosed. We're sent down the river. Just extend BART. That'll fix housing. Let's send BART out to Stockton. Boom shakalaka. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. On the outside, I'm cool, collected. I'm one of a kind. I work aggressively to help you and me get through this world. Uh, Sounds like a song like Cheers. Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. It doesn't. You know, I enjoy what I do, and it's not exactly work. And, you know, when I can motivate you at some point in time to... Take a look at your daily life and factor in how can I be an investor. It's tough, right? Fortnite is a video game that a lot of people know about. It's a dominant game right now. And companies are quoting Fortnite in their earnings call. 
one of the things that I do that I don't talk much about are, are conference calls with with companies during earnings season. And a lot of the companies that I invest in, a lot of the companies I like to follow, happen to be in the Bay Area. Obviously, tech companies. And you know, probably two quarters ago, it was all about Bitcoin. Everyone wanted to try to figure out how can we get into Bitcoin, into our business model, into our conference call, whether it be Litecoin or Ripple or Ethereum or Monero. Now, if you talk about Fortnite, what you're seeing is outsized success. And people, businesses want to project outsized success. The company Epic Games, which produced Fortnite, banked $296 million in sales from the game console, from the game across the console, PC, and mobile categories. Stop and think about that for one second. $296 million in sales. Solo, the Han Solo movie, hasn't made that much money. And a little game that your kid's playing on their phone is thumping Han Solo. And Chewbacca's not happy. <laughs> April saw the launch of Fortnite on Apple, on their iOS. And, and guess what happened when Apple reported their quarter? They talked about Fortnite. Then you get companies like NVIDIA. Guess what they did? They talked about Fortnite. Tencent, which is a Chinese uh, internet company. They own a 40% stake in Epic Electronic Arts, Activision, Take-Two. Everyone wants Fortnite or something like it. Snap and Hasbro have made mentions of Fortnite on their conference call. Fortnite has over 40 million monthly active users. And you start looking at, you know, you start looking at uh, monthly active users and you instantly start thinking about things like Facebook, right? 40 million monthly the game HQ Trivia sometimes has a million-plus players trying to win a share of $5,000 amongst a million people. It's not a lot of money. Sometimes you literally win 85 cents, but you feel like you're winning, you're beating the system. So everyone's talking about Fortnite because outsized games. Be careful. That can get you into some hot water. Even though your 8-year-old son plays Fortnite... He won't be able to predict the, the spending on Snap's platform. Or when does the company lose the magical effect and become the next best thing, right? So the success of Fortnite and PlayerUnknown Battlegrounds are just beyond comprehension right now. That was the quote from NVIDIA CEO Jin, Jin Huang. Two games are a combination of Hunger Games and Survivor, and it's just captured the imagination of gamers around the world. That's pretty crazy. So when I go out and build a new computer, and I like to build computers every two or three years, I'm going to get the latest GPU to handle the latest game, even if I'm not playing the latest game. And that's where it gets kind of like, what did he just say? Exactly. So Apple's making big money. Big money off Fortnite because you're playing it on their phone. So there's kind of a, a oh, I almost said something inappropriate. I almost said there's kind of a hashtag me too thing going on Behave with Fortnite. Yourself. I didn't say it. I thought it. That is not but appropriate behavior. Oh, it's so totally appropriate. I mean, it's just um, everyone wants to tie themselves to Fortnite. It's going to pull in two to three billion dollars this year. And if Apple's getting a 10%, 20%, 30% cut of that, depending on the deal made, 
and they tend to go softer on the bigger deals, that could work out pretty well. So how much is the Fortnite experience worth to you and me? I don't know. And am I going to go out and invest in Epic Games? Probably not. Am I going to go out and invest in Tencent? Probably not. But I find it interesting that it's kind of like all the rage now, where in October and, and November, all we could talk about on this show was Bitcoin. And I'm sorry, but we're not talking about Bitcoin every day here. Will it make a, re, uh, will it make a revival? Yes. But that's all I got for you right now. I got a coupon from eBay. Woohoo! I don't think that's a good thing. <laughs> oh, my, that's all my, my. I oh, my, my, my. Um, so let's take a quick look at the markets today and see how we're doing now and what the, the dealio is. The world's in turmoil and investors are bullish. We did see a lot of women in the primaries across the United States make headway into congressional elections this year. So one of the things that we're going to start talking about are the elections because they're now four or five months away, Right. What will Congress look like? What will universal health care look like? What will repeals look like? What will the president look like? Relationships with foreign countries. There's a lot of turmoil, but the market's hitting all-time highs. Uh, the Russell and the NASDAQ, good, good news. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.